microphone. I know. She was coughing. She's like, <coughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now listen, we, we, what does God want from us? Now this is a really hard question. What does God want from us? If I ask each individual person in this room, what does God want from you? I would probably get however many there are of us different answers. What does God want from me? See, some people see this question wrongly and they say, what God wants from me isn't fair because what he expects out of me seems to be more than someone else. Some of you might, might when, you, when you picked up the, uh, the green worship handout this morning and you read the sermon title, some of you maybe wanted to push mute in your mind already. I'm going to pray and ask God that you unmute yourself if you did that. Because when we look at this, when we look, make me first. Now, we like this, don't we? Yeah. Me for The me, I, just, I, I don't want to burst your bubble. Are you ready? That me is not you. It's not me. That me is God. That's a commandment. If you look in Exodus chapter 20, we can read the Ten Commandments and you can see that one of them is, you shall not have any other gods before me. God is a jealous God. He wants everything. And we don't think that's fair. And we're going to discuss why, why I don't think that we think that that's fair. We have a couple things to talk about before we jump in uh, to today's sermon, but if you, if, if you need to use your table of contents to find this book, it's in the Old Testament. We're going to go to 1 Kings. So if you've read your Bible and you're like, oh, great, 1 Kings. What's in 1 Kings? Just go there. Just go there. It's not boring. It's a, it's one, and I got in trouble for this again today. I said, I said well, this is one of my favorite Old Testament stories. And somebody said at band practice, I go, everything seems like it's your favorite. This one's seriously. And the other ones are too. But you know, do you know why? And I, I, I mean this as a complete joke, okay? I'm not, I'm not teasing that person that said that. Do you know why they're my favorite? Because it changed my life. This one today, this, one, this sermon that we talk about today, this story that we talk about today, I don't know that there are very many other, um, other stories in the Bible that can challenge me personally like this one can. Especially living in first world America today. I know, some of you are wanting to hit that mute button again. Oh, he's going to talk about us being entitled and spoiled. Yes, I am. And I'll, and I'll get in the boat with you. Because I have a, a first world problem, you ready? I've got to take my truck to get fixed. Isn't that, the, isn't that a first world problem? A buddy of mine shared something on Facebook the other day. It was phenomenal. It's, about the vo- it's called The Voice of the Martyrs, and it's a Facebook page. One of these, well, there was a gentleman that was getting baptized in the, in, the, in the Amazon jungle. Okay, you ready for this? The rainforest. You ready for this? He was the first one in his village to be, to be converted to Christianity, to believe in Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. The first one in his village... Do you know that he walked three miles to get baptized? My truck not starting is a first world problem, and I'm a spoiled person. Some of you, wow. Matt, have you been thinking about this sermon long? Yeah, I wrote the sermon a couple weeks ago, and it doesn't get easier to preach as we get closer. This morning I prayed for you, I prayed for me. If you, if you are interested in seeing what Connection is, to join Connection in First Step next week, I need to know. If you're going to be at First Step, please tell me today. April 17th, next week, it's in your, the, the address to Ben and Annie Staley's home is in your worship handout on the last page, right there on top. 
If you're wanting to find out about Connection, if you're wanting to join Connection, please let me know so I can have the material ready for you. We have, we have a couple, several people that are wanting to do that. And also, May 1st. I know Connection people love May 1st because we get to eat here. See, the, the amens. I can say that Jesus is, is God and nothing, but I talk about chicken wings. Woo! I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But we get to eat food, right? And we enjoy our fellowship and we get to hang out together. May the 1st. May the 1st. May the 1st. May the 1st. May the what? Thank you. May the who? First. May the first we have dunk party. On not, not this week. Not next week. Not the next week. Not the seventeenth. Not the seventeenth. That's the twenty-fourth. May the first. May the first on your calendars. We only have one service that day. It's going to be at ten. So you people get to sleep in. And the 11 o'clock people have to get up earlier. <laughs> and they're not going to be happy. Anyway, they'll be here. Okay? 10 o'clock, we're going to have a joint worship service. I will tell you this. 10 o'clock on May the 1st, we're going to have some visitors. So if you're a regular Connectionite, scoot up. We're going to have a lot of people. It's going to be full. Okay, We're going to have both services combined. We're going to have overflow seating. But I don't want to use the overflow seating until we pack everything in here. Because I want everybody to be able to see the dunk party. Um, one service at 10 on May the Okay, all right, good, all right. I hope that you've had an interesting, beneficial, godly, good or bad week. Because this morning we're going to talk about a subject that can change the rest of your entire life. Before we do that, I want to pray for us. If you would just bow your head. God, thank you so much for today. We appreciate the worship that we got to sing. God, we are, we are in a... We are in, such a great place that we literally get to stand, sit, be in a building where we can sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is He. God, You've created angels in the book of Revelation. That's, that's their sole job for eternity, is just to sing to You. And like Jack said, why You would send Your Son for us is beyond our explanation. But You did it's accomplished. It's finished. You raised them from the dead. We have hope. And God, today as we study this Old Testament story, I ask God that you invade our hearts, that you invade our minds, that you just free our minds of anything else that's going on in this week. Any, any problems with relationships, God, that we just let it go, push, reset, have a blank screen, and let you speak to us. God, hide me behind your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17 in just a second. But we're going to, I want to look at this. Make me first. You and I, if we're really honest, we have a big time problem with this. Think, just think about it. You might be a little bit better at this if you have children. Because sometimes it's easier to give to our kids than ourself. But, when it comes to us or God, oftentimes we want first, don't we? Being, a, being just a generic percentage. You ready? We want what we want, when we want it. We want it how we want it. Think about this with me. There's a lot of thinking today. You go to a steakhouse. 
They ask you how you want your meal cooked. What's your preference? If you, get, if you get married and you have bridesmaid dresses, what's your preference of colors? Do you think that all the bridesmaids in every single wedding in the world have agreed with the bride's colors? No. Have you seen Bridezilla on TV? No. Come on, 9.30, let's go. Listen, God wants, what God wants from us is He wants something very simple. I can tell you the secret to life right now. You ready? There's people that climb mountains really high and define the secret to life. I can tell you the life answer right now. You ready? Put God first and let everything else happen. Follow what He wants you to do. Well, that seems too easy. Try it. Just try it. Saying that, doing that, completely different. Listen to this. This is what God wants to be first in. He wants to be first in your marriage or dating relationship. Absolutely first. The, the coolest, most loving thing my wife ever told me in the history of our relationship together on the day we were married was not I do. It was, I love you second. Guys, if you're looking for a future woman to to marry, find one that says that. Ladies, don't settle for a guy unless he can say that. I love you second. Because I love God first. We have to prioritize. He wants to be first in your marriage or dating relationship. He wants to be first in the way that you act at your job. I know. Some of you are like, you don't know the people that I work with. Not God. Okay, I don't know. Okay. But God says, I want you to be the ultimate servant. I want you to exemplify my son Christ who came to serve, not to be served. I want you to give of yourself. God wants to be first in the way that we handle your money. Now, if nobody's pressed the mute button, now they're going off. Mute, 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 mute. My money, my money, my money. Okay, listen. Listen, God wants to be first in your finances. Do you know why? Because when you put God first and you prioritize things and you itemize things on what you need and not everything about you, what you want, what you'll find is you're going to be in a lot healthier spot financially. If you've experienced anything like this, you understand what I'm saying. If you've ever gotten out of debt, or if you are out of debt, you understand what I'm saying. God wants to be first. God wants to be first in the way that you have relationships with your family. Now, some of you are like, "Hmm, make God first, but what if I don't? (laughs) Realize when you say that, you're not saying that to me, okay? (laughs) I want you to understand this. When we, when we do not put God first, there are these things that sneak up on us that can happen to us, and they're called consequences. To put it into perspective, there are things that you can literally miss out on, blessings from God that you can miss out on by not doing what He wants. You know, I missed out on seven years of my entire life doing what God did wanted me to do. I missed out on it. But I want to raise my girls to understand, hey, we prioritize what God and who He is in our life. You ever try to do it all on your own? How'd that go? Great. Oh, yeah. Why didn't it work? 
Why do we have to put God first? If we don't put God first, then we put ourselves more likely, or somebody that we think should be there, we put them there. What's going to happen if we put somebody else there besides God? They fail us, right? We're not perfect. We're broken people. So how do we put God first in the context of 2016? We're looking at a story that is 2,800-ish years old. 800 years almost before Christ. Over five. Think about this. How is this story relevant? How is it relevant from that, that many years before Jesus even came to this earth to 2016 years after supposedly he was born? Now, I'm not saying supposedly that he wasn't. I'm, thinking, I'm saying supposedly because theological people often debate whether he was, Jesus was actually born on the year zero anyway. Don't think that I don't think that. This week, in the next couple weeks, we're going to be studying this. Don't push the mute button. This is, this is one of the most difficult sermons that I could possibly study to tell you because it's the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? Matt, do you always put God first? No. How, what? You're a pastor. I'm human. Okay, I'm human. Now watch this. We're going to be looking at what it looks like to put God first. This is a hard thing to do because it requires... There are two words that people in churches are really scared of. First one is change. Seven, I record seven people ask me what that, what that is back there. Seven. Something's changed. Now for you, for you who don't know, if, you're, if you are a new mother or a new-to-be mother... In between our services and you have a job or, or you have a baby that gets upset and you have him in here during service, you can go right there and you can breastfeed your baby in complete privacy with a recliner. That's how much we like you and love you and your baby, okay? That's, that's what that's there for. But seven people, I counted. Seven. <laughs> what's, the, what's, 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 the, what's that? Now, some people thought it was like some kind of, they thought it was a confessional. I'm like, no, we don't do that. We, we, we just don't. You know, we talk to God, okay? That's, that's for, for breastfeeding moms. So, um, if you come in contact with a woman that has a baby, then that's a need. Listen, we, we, we put that in there because we care because the bathrooms are cold. We want them to be comfortable, warm, okay? But the change, the other word is this. The other word that we're scared of is sacrifice. Some of you kind of, you kind of winced when I said Sacrifice. It's like you're in, you're in the Lion King and the hyenas say Mufasa. Do we have any Lion King? Has anybody seen? Okay, that's good. When he says Mufasa, he goes, That's like, that's Ed, right? Ed, yeah. He, now, what does this have to do with anything? Sacrifice and change will cause you to go down a road that if you're not willing to accept them and do them, if you're not willing to put God first, things can happen. Things that can happen that we don't. For the next several weeks, we're going to be studying this. It's hard for us to do. Let's meet the first character in the story. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And, and, and before we do this, I have, I have a Bible here, right here. See, right here. And I mark in it. I, want to, I, want, I just want to, I want to show you something. 
If you have a Bible, or you look, I, I am not opposed to tablets, iPads, iPad touches, um, electronic Bibles, whatever. But if you have something like that, make sure that you can highlight or write in it. Okay, highlight or write in it, or take some notes and then transfer them onto something. Okay, if you don't write it down, so I have to underline things. Okay, I have to. It's not that I am opposed to iPad Bibles, but I really want to write something down. Because eventually I'm going to hand these Bibles down. I can't talk for her loud. She's in here. One of them. Let's meet the first character. Look at this. I want to preface this by saying this is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Now look. Now Elijah. <laughs> one of two people recorded in the biblical history that has, that has never died a human death. Him and, a, him and a really cool... If you're, if you're looking for a new name for a new baby in your family, check out... Not Elijah, because that's, that's one that's used. How about the other one? Enoch. Wow. He would never get teased, right? No. Listen, Elijah and Enoch have never... They were never suffered a physical death. Elijah... Well, then how did he lead this earth? Well... Listen, Elijah prioritized his life well and he put God first. Okay? God chose... And this is crazy, and you're going to think that I'm lying. So you Google this wherever it is. You find it. I know where it is. You find it. You look at the references in your Bible. You find when Elijah left this earth, and look what he went in. There's a song that's written. It's entitled, and what he left in. Before you Google that, it's chariots of fire, okay? Chariots of, he left earth in chariots of fire. So this guy, later on in life, this is the same guy, this is the same guy who on Mount Carmel faced, faced these, these false prophets. And they said, they said, who is your God? And they challenged Elijah. And he says, my God is so powerful. You're going to call down. And he said, soak, soak your sacrifice in all kinds of oil and kerosene and all these things that would just instantly engulf it in flames. And he says, my God is so powerful. He said, pour water on it, not once, not twice, but three times. And there was water floating everywhere around his sacrifice. Water. Have you tried to light water on fire lately? No. It just doesn't work. This is the same guy that had prioritized God in such a way that he was, he was a prophet. He was so honoring of God that that day over 400 false prophets lost their life, by the way, after they kept cutting themselves and calling down fire and nothing happened. And then Elijah talked to his God, the living God, the capital G, not some other God, pagan God with a little... That, by the way, that's the way it works. Anything other than the God Jehovah that we serve is small g. It's a God. It's not the God. And the God that Elijah talked to rained fire down from heaven and it burnt up his sacrifice. Now, any of you pyro people, I love fire. I love fire. And if you can get a really, 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 really good hot fire going, you can take a, a Diet Coke can or aluminum can, you can put it in there, and eventually it'll, it'll, just kinda, it'll just make it mush and just eat it up, right? If you read the scripture of the fire that God called down when Elijah called it, when, when it came down, it burned up the rocks. Think about that one. It engulfed it. It ate it up. But this is Elijah. This is the guy. This is the prophet. He was born from... Tishba in, in Gilead, he told King Ahab. Now, King Ahab, if you're taking notes, just write two words. Bad 
dude. Take care of it. Okay, King Ahab was a reckless, not good king. Okay, he was unholy. He didn't honor God. He was anti-God. He was anything but good. Okay, King Ahab was a bad man. So Elijah was sent to King Ahab. Now, think about this. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, big G, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. (laughs) King Ahab had something that could have been very, very detrimental to Elijah. He had the power to take off his head at any moment that he wanted to. A king in this day was all powerful. And Elijah came to him and he says, listen to me. You're not listening to who my God is. So I'm going to tell you what he's going to do and what he's told me to tell you. See, Elijah was already prioritizing God number one because he did exactly what God had told him to do. You and I have a lot of trouble with that sometimes. I want you to talk to this person. I want you to do this. I want you to serve this way. <sighs> Look at this. This is This is bold. If you talk about no rain in this kind of region, there is no food. No rain equals a drought, and it means many people lose their life. It's not something to joke around with. And Elijah goes to him and says, Listen, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God that I serve, (laughs) he separated him. King Ahab liked this guy named Baal. Not Elijah. He said, No, no, no. The one that I serve, he says this. There will be no rain. Now, why did he say this? Because Baal was the God that they worshipped, little g. Okay? The only reason Baal gets capitalized is because of the name. We don't capitalize God by Baal. But this Baal God was in charge of, he was in charge of two things, you ready? Precipitation falling on the earth and an abundance of crops. That's what he was for. So by Elijah saying this, he's saying basically, I'm going to tell you exactly what God said because he told me to tell you. But if you do not worship and honor him, there's not going to be any rain at all. King Ahab, not worried. Why? Because he's put his hope in something else, right? Because Baal is going to give him this stuff. King Ahab probably thought this was some type of joke. No joke. For the next 300 years, God would use prophets like Elijah to prophesy about coming things. To prophesy about who God was. Because Elijah put God first, he understood the first blank in your worship handout. Look, at, look with me at the first blank. Seriously, and I, I say this, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think that I say it enough. If you do a day, you, you should attempt, try. It's difficult. It's, it's, one of the most hard, it's one of the most difficult things to do as a Christian follower. But listen. Do a daily look at God's Word. Read two verses. Ask God, pray, talk to Him what this means. Think about this thought right here. Elijah understood that when God promises something, it happens. He had the boldness to understand this so much, in fact, that he walked in front of a king that could kill him to testify and prophesy that that's what was going to happen. He also understood that when God gave instructions, he was to listen and obey them. Now think about the time of history we're in. In the Old Testament, God gives instructions to people and they don't follow them. He does crazy things that we can't comprehend. He turns people into pillars of salt. 
He destroys entire cities with fire. He causes one brother and is allowed to kill another brother out of jealousy and greed. This is a very harsh time, okay? But Elijah knows that when God... This is something that I need and maybe you need too. Elijah understood something that I need to really, really work on because I'm a human and I'm not perfect. You ready? When God says something, listen. Now, if I was going to institute my, talking to myself, I would say, Matt, whenever God says something, you need to listen, moron. I talk to myself that way. I'm not going to talk to you that way. Now, listen, when God, God speaks, oftentimes we go, eh, that would be a great idea. Duh. <laughs> it's God. You ever received any advice from God that was bad? Let me answer that for you. No. Did it fit or prioritize what we want? Sometimes, no. That's why we don't like it. So when, he, when, when God gave Elijah instructions, he was to listen and he obeyed them. Now watch. We, man. Watch, watch how he obeys things. I'm going to get too wrapped up in my, one of my favorite stories again. Okay, look at this. Look at this next verse. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Why is verse 2 even recorded in Scripture? It, all, all it says is that then the Lord said to Elijah. Do you know what this says to me? Elijah had a prioritized relationship with God that he allowed God to speak to him and he listened. This is a big deal. Verse 2 is a huge verse. We think, oh, it's just, a, it's just on the crust. It's just on the crust. But listen, when the Lord said to Elijah something, anything, he listened and he did it. Look at verse 3. Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook. What? Okay. All right, time out. I want you to go east and hide. Why in the world? Why are we playing hide and go seek? Do you think that King Ahab would come after Elijah if it didn't rain? In the back of his mind, well, it hasn't rained for a couple weeks. I oh, no big deal. It gets to about to a month, six weeks of that arid climate with no water. He's going to go. Where's that little punk that told me it wasn't going to rain? And I'm probably putting that nicely. So he would send armies. Listen, God did this to protect him. If he didn't listen to God, he's not protected. If you don't listen to God and I don't listen to God, sometimes he can't protect you. You're not in the right place. You know, hey, he's like, man, I got my hand right here. I'm waiting on you to get underneath it. I'm over here doing something else. We have to be intentional. So he says, Go east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. In verse 4, Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring. Time out. Do you know... And I'm glad that Emma's in here. We were at the zoo one time, and, and this is not even a raven. This was a very, 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 very friendly blackbird. Very friendly. A lot smaller. They're about this big. Very friendly. To the point that we were eating at the zoo and he wanted to get it on our table and steal food. Very friendly. If you were the people that fed him, don't feed him anymore. Okay? Now listen, he says, I want you to drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Now you think about this. What if God told you, now listen, go to the little Wabash. <laughs> Some of you in your mind go, I'm not going to that river. <laughs> Do you see how we prioritize what we want? I want you to go to Lake Tahoe. Ha! 
I told you that certain feet down, the water never gets over 39 degrees? Oh. What if I sent you to Lake Tahoe, and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful, it's so pretty. My sister was there for three and a half years. What if I said, God wants you to go to Lake Tahoe, and you don't like snow, and you're going in December? And Jennifer would call home, and I would say, hey, I would say, hey, how much snow you got? We got like three inches today. She goes, yeah, we got three feet. Listen, oftentimes, when God says for us to go do something, we can find fault in it. If, I, if God told us to go to the Little Wabash River in Wayne County, and we were to, and we were to camp just, just uh, on the south side of the bridge, just east of Fairfield, and you were to wait there. Now think, just, just dream with me. And you're to wait there until the otters bring you food. Now, we, we think that this is absolutely absurd way of thinking, isn't it? Does Elijah question it? Not one time. Not once. Not one time. Look at verse 5. Look at this. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. Huh. What do you know? <laughs> so Elijah did. As God told him. I want to ask you a question. Just, on, just based on this verse 5, and if you look at verse, verse 4, that, that when God finished telling him where to go, I want to ask you this question. If you want to write this down, write this down. I want to ask you this super, super hard question. Do you trust God this much? This is absurd. You're talking about something that's 2,800 years old. Do you trust God to do everything that He asks you to do? Hmm. This is, this is not, you cannot answer this in five seconds. Do you trust God? See, oftentimes in my life when God would challenge me, I talk about coming to connection often. When we came down in September and I led worship and there was like 40 people and I knew like four chords on a guitar, really seriously. And Mike said, you're going to be the new worship leader. And I said, holy smoke. I don't think so. And I went to this church and there was a whole bunch of weird people that met in a school. And we left the parking lot, and I got to the car, and I told Mary, I said, Mary, we were never coming here. These people are doing church completely wrong. They're doing it in a school. They have church in a school. This will never work. Then I said these really awesome words. I said, God, this is really not the place for me. I'd just rather not come here. You ever told God your plans and listened to Him laugh? Now, what happened when I came down here? I didn't miss one of the biggest, greatest blessings of my entire life. I've literally seen some of your lives change, my life change, in more than 180 degree change. I've seen people that are literally not the same people as they were five, six, seven years ago. But Elijah, Elijah did exactly what God told him to do, and he went, look where he goes, Kareth Brook. He went to the spot. Now look at this, east of the Jordan, where's that? Where God told him. The ravens. Do you know what ravens eat? Just Google that later. We're not going to talk about that now. They're a scavenger bird. Okay? These are not like Bob White quail. They don't go in the smoker like turkeys do. Okay? These are ravens. They're big dudes. They're like this big. They're black and they're loud. They're all over Canada. If you go to Canada, you'll, you'll see. I promise. But these big ravens... We're going to bring him these food, all of his food. 
But look at this. Because he did exactly what he said. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. He... <laughs> Elijah was concerned that God was meeting his needs, but he, didn't, he really wasn't concerned where the stuff was coming from. Sometimes we even prioritize that. This was coming from the beaks and the claws and the, the, the feet of birds. They were considered an unclean bird, by the way. Okay, they're, they're just they're nasty. They're scavenger bird. Okay, look at verse 7. But after a while the brook dried up and there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Okay, time out. If you're Elijah, what do you think? This is what I thought. I wrote, I wrote this question down. If I'm Elijah and I've been drinking out of a river... And I've been eating. What do you do? You talk to these ravens? Hey, guys, this bread that you stole off this lady's countertop is awesome. But if you could somehow bring me a chocolate pie, that'd be great. Do you talk to them this way? But look at this. He he has no idea what I would say if I was Elijah and I saw the creek dry up. Do you know what I would say? Is this some kind of sick joke? I have done everything that you asked me to do, and now this creek is drying up. This is my source of life. I can hide here and not die. God was literally getting Elijah ready to be moved again. He knew that Elijah would listen to him and his instructions would be followed. If you're looking for something to look at every day this week, I want to challenge you to look at this next blank on your worship handout. Look at this. You, this is something that you've heard before. God's timing is never late. No? It's not. And then, then you hear this from, from somebody that really wants to be sarcastic, but he's never early either. No. He's not. Do you know why? Somebody maybe has never, has never explained this to you. Do you know why? Look at this. God's timing is perfect. If it was early or late, it wouldn't be perfect. Early or late, what's that mean? If a, if a guy or a, a girl is hitting a softball or a baseball, and they swing a little bit late, it's often caught by the catcher and that's a strike. If they swing too early and make contact, it often gets pulled into the other dugout. It doesn't go fair. Now, if their timing is perfect, they hit it in between the white lines, right? Now, look at this. God's timing is never late and it's also never early. We argue the snot out of this one, don't we? God, you, do you see where I am? Do you see how I'm suffering? God's timing is perfect. Now, with all this being said, there's something in my life right now that I'm being anxiously and unanxiously, as much as I can, patient. I know, some of you don't even pray for that word because you know that when you pray for patience, God will allow you to have circumstances to get you better, right? I'm trying to be patient. Connection has a vision. We have a vision of this not only be, not being the same, the only place that we have church. We want to plant another church. You know, what, you know when I would have planted a church? Last year. I was ready. I've had a, a group of people for a year and a half that have met two Saturdays a month and let me teach them this material that we're going over to how to launch a new work. If that doesn't excite you, I'm sorry. Check your pulse. There's a lot of people in southern Illinois that need to be reached with the gospel of Christ. And the only thing that I want to do is fling those doors open, grab about ten of you, and say, let's go. 
we have to remember God's timing. He moves when we're not seeing Him. He moves in situations where we don't know what's going on. As this story goes, look at verse 8. Look at this. This is unbelievable. And the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. At least he's moving up in the people that serve him, right? He goes from birds, now it's, just, now it's a woman. Now it's a widow. God's pretty specific again, isn't he? Don't just leave. Go to Zarephath. Near the city of Sidon. And I am instructed. Now, <laughs> I've, I've just told somebody. Listen to this context. You don't know them. But when you see them, you'll know. Just ask them for something to eat. How about that? What if I told you this? <laughs> I want you guys to get in your car. And I want you to drive to Fairfield. And you're going to see somebody that's going to buy you DiMaggio's. Some of you would go, praise the Lord. I know. DiMaggio's is good. Listen, just, well, what's their name? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. Listen, do you, do you see the faith that Elijah has to have? Now, my question, whenever I was asking myself these questions, when I talk, when I talk about this verse, I was like, man, the widow's not a big deal. But how is it that Elijah follows so directly and that he trusts God that there's going to be a widow there? Watch this. You ready? I've come to this conclusion that if you can trust God and he said he was going to feed you with birds, you can probably test them on anything and be okay. That he's going to provide for you. Has God ever let you down? We can sit here all day and we can have arguments about, about, well, it didn't match this in my life or it didn't match this in my life or it, it wasn't the right timing. God cannot be imperfect. His timing is always perfect. It may have not matched up with us, but has God ever let you down? The answer is a profound no. He has not. He can't. That's what we argue. We argue about things that can't ever happen. Can God let us down? Nope. It can't happen. Elijah was on this, no, this other level of faith that I desperately would like to be on. I would love to trust God like this. God gives an exact place and an exact uh, person. I heard, a pa- I heard a pastor give a message on this. And if you were Elijah and you were, and you were hiding and that brook started to, started to dry up, this is, this is highly important to the rest of the story if you, if you know what's going to happen. Every day, daily, Elijah had to be completely dependent on God. Okay, if you know the rest of the story, it's going to start clicking real quick. You had to have daily faith that God was going to provide for you. In the morning he was brought food, in the evening he was brought food, and he was drinking from this creek. And all of a sudden, this creek started to dry up. Do you think that it gave him anxiety? Yeah, probably. And then when God gave him the instructions, he's like, oh, good. I like to think about things like that. What if, what if he, had drank, he had just drank the last drop of water in that creek? 
And he had, to, he, had to, he had to gobble up all that water before God would give him his next instruction. Some of us would have been laying beside that creek just kind of getting that water until we died. We don't have enough faith. See, he had enough faith to say, God, where do you want me to go? Look at verse 10. I know this is going to shock you, but look what he did. He went to Zarephath. Does this shock you? This is the same guy that relied on birds to bring him food. Does it shock you that he did something that God wanted him to do? No. No. This is an easy one. Think about this. Going to a town would have been a cakewalk than to sit on a rock and going, okay, where are the ravens? <laughs> I trust you. Look at, look at this. This is, this is awesome. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. I don't know that she had a name tag on that said widow. I don't know. I doubt it. But she was gathering sticks. Now, how, how Elijah knew this, I don't know. I don't know. I, we are not told. He just goes to the first person and asks, I guess. Now, look at this. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little cup, a little water in a cup? Does the town have water? Probably very small quantities. We're talking about a drought here. They have enough, they, have a probably, they probably have a deep well to get them by, but they do not have excess. Elijah wasn't from there. Listen, if you had a drought and you were confined to your house, and somebody, a neighbor came that, didn't, that was going to deplete some of your reservoir, would you be hesitant to give them some water? Think about this. The lady, no problem. Look at this. So Elijah says, would you bring me a cup, a little a water in a cup? And she says in verse 11... As she was going to get it. The scripture is talking about the widow. And the only thing that I've had happen in my life in the last week and a half is God talking about me to me about that. In verse 11 it says this. As she was going to get it. There is no hesitation to do what, what, what has been asked of her. There's no hesitation to do what God or a prophet of God has asked her to do. There's no hesitation. It's not recorded. As she was going to get it, she just did it. She just did it. And sometimes I think, God asked me to do this, this thing, or maybe in your life right now, God's asking you to do this thing, and we think, Ah, but, there's no hesitation. Because of her no hesitation. Watch, watch, watch what God is doing. In verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her, Not only do I need some water, bring me a bite of bread too. A bite is not a chomp. A bite is a small loaf, what they're talking about. I'm telling you, all of this leads up to what is getting ready to happen. If every party in this story does not do exactly what they're supposed to do, it never works. It never works. Elijah doesn't have the faith to go hide and he probably is killed. The widow doesn't, she responds differently and she doesn't go get it. She said, no, you're an outsider, we can't do that. She literally would die. Think about this. This is incredible. Incredible. It's just obedience. Look at verse 12. Elijah had a behind-the-scenes knowledge. Now think about this. He was talking to a lady that didn't know that he had just been fed by ravens for a long time. He had been relying on birds to eat. 
Asking a lady to bring him some bread is a no big deal. Okay? Look at verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. I swear by the Lord your God. She acknowledged God. She acknowledged that she knows God. And then she says this, I swear that I do not have a single piece of bread in the house. Otherwise, I would give it to you. See what I'm saying? Otherwise, I would give it to you, but I don't have it. And then she, she goes on. She said, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal for this one final little piece of bread so my son and I could eat it and then we would starve to death. Why? Because if we refer back to the beginning of the chapter, the drought is still on. Baal has brought no crops or rain. Because why? Because big G, God says no. That's why. When our God says something, you better believe that He understands, you better understand it because it's going to happen. Elijah knew this. And she comes to him, she says, Sir, I'm just gathering a few sticks. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to cook this little loaf of bread. And my son and I are going to have basically their last supper. And she goes, and then we're going to die because we, we have no more anything. Nobody has anything. Look at verse 13. But Elijah said to her, now this is a guy that has had his faith stretched beyond stretched. He had relied on birds to bring him food. Just think about that this afternoon when you go home and watch the Masters. Think about that. Think about if you had to lay in your backyard and rely on the robins to bring you food. By the way, he got no menu. No menu. You probably get worms. Yes! Larry the Cable Guy says, worms is good eating. Okay? But let's listen. You had no, you had no menu. You had no, he was completely okay with how God wanted to answer his prayer. We are not that way. We are not that way. And he says, in verse 13, he says, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. But make a little bread for me first. If you want to underline something, we're not talking about, we're not talking about anything. We need to put our, ourselves there. But make a little bread for me first. Do you know that God... When we're talking about giving sacrifices to God, that He doesn't say, give me absolutely everything you have in the offering. Do you know that He does not say that? He says, give to me because I've given to you. And here He says, He said, will you just show me that I'm important? Elijah is putting, put in the place of God here. He said, just show me, show me that you have the faith in God. Now, I want to ask you a really, really tough question. You are your only parent and you have one, ch- one child. You have enough bread to cook one loaf of bread and there's another stranger that comes in. Do you trust God that much? This is tough. Do you literally trust God with the life of your child? This is what this widow did. With the life of your child. Look at this. But Elijah just said that the only thing that Elijah told her, he goes, oh, don't be scared. The widow is talking and in her mind, she's thinking about life and death. And the only thing that Elijah can say is, don't be afraid. Look at the faith that he had by saying that. Oh, just listen, just do as I'm asking you to do and there's going to be, it's, everything's going to be fine. 
Go ahead, he says, go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Then he says this, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. So Elijah says this, yeah, you're going to have enough to have your little meal afterwards, but it's not, it may not be very much. Just make me one first. Sometimes God says, Matt, I have this for you and I have this for you, but I want something first. Show me how much you love me. Now, God doesn't, we're not, we're not playing a game here. God doesn't say, well, your gift is better than your gift because you gave more money. That's not what I'm talking about. God is saying, Matt, you put your, fill in your blank. Don't be, does God ever ask you this question? Have I ever let you down? If you think that God can let you down in any circumstance, I, wanna, I, wanna, I challenge you to answer this question. How much do you trust God? That's it. it. It doesn't get any simpler than that. If you can't trust Him. Look at verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. So, so now she has an if and then verse, right? If she does what God asks, then He's going to provide. Because Elijah said so, Right? But this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. Feed your child one last good meal with a big loaf of bread or give some to a stranger because God said so and have a smaller loaf of bread to eat and that's it. You pick. Look at verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. Again, put yourself in her place. It is not recorded that she even uttered a word of, I'm not going to do this. Not at all. So she did. She literally took food out of her son's mouth and put trust in God that he would provide for them. And then it goes on. And she and Elijah, watch this, watch this. There's more than just the son, isn't there? Look at what it says. And her family. And her family continued to eat for many days. Wow, how is this possible? Look at verse 16. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. It never ran out. I know what you're, I know, I know, I know. I know what you're thinking. How did, how, how did he do that? I can explain it very simply. Ready? I have no idea. None. <laughs> when you pour the last of something out in a, in a container in your house, you throw it away. Can you imagine that? She gets into the, to the flower pot and she scoops up a handful and she needs it and she makes it. And the next day she goes back and she... <laughs> do, you, do you ever think she was like... <laughs> trying to figure out when he's going to put it back in there? You know, what, you know what I really think? I think that God waited for her to trust. Waited for her to trust to put her hand back in there and poof. I don't, know, I don't know if it went poof or not, okay? It's flour, but I don't know if it went poof when God made it in there. And her, and her jug of oil. Can you imagine that? Every time she grabbed the pitcher, she'd have to think, is this it? But as the days would go on, do you know, you know what I think? I think her faith in God grew absolutely much more stronger. She's like, yeah, God's going to provide for us. Watch this. God's going to provide for us. Watch she, she was resembling Elijah's faith then. Look at the last blank in your worship handout. God desires for us to make Him first. The widow gave her life. Now we think, oh, she didn't die. Now watch this. 
She was giving life-sustaining material to someone else. She risked her life. The bread and the oil were her life. Will you give what God wants you to give? In the next three weeks or so, we're going to be challenged. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some challenges. Will you give what God wants you to give? Connection wants to do some things. We've, we've, got, a, we've got a cool sign. We, got, we, have, we have some things that we'd like to do. We're going to talk about, about maybe adding some, some concrete over here, some handicapped parking spaces. We'd like to run some guttering, get some rain shed off, and, and learn how to and get that out of the way and drain it somewhere where it's supposed to. We talk about getting some concrete that comes off the, off the highway. We still owe a little bit on our building. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you the next three or four weeks. Some of you are going, well, took him a year and a half. He's finally talking about tithing. Listen. Listen, tithing is worship. And by the way, I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about a gift. It's more. You shouldn't give a tithe for a gift. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take the money you're going to give to God and give it to something else. You should give your money to God, and if you can, then you can give that gift. But we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at that. What can we do? Will you give what God wants you to give? I'm going to talk about how Mary and I are going to give out of our comfort zone. I'm not going to, give, I'm not going to expend my means, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead by example. What I give may not be as much as you give, or you may give less than me. That doesn't matter. I'm giving what we can, because we all have a common purpose. But Elijah, think about this. This week, Elijah literally survived because God provided birds to bring him food. Do you think that Elijah trusted God enough, to, enough with his life that he, that he went to a specific spot? He went to exactly who God told him to go to. Oftentimes, we get stuck in this place where we, where we, where we, what goes through our head is saying, man, I would really like to be here. I would really like to be here. And God says, well, I can get you here. I'm the only one that can get you here. And we think, okay. <clears throat> what would you like for me to do? You know what? If you ask that question, that God's going to answer you, right? <laughs> don't ask that question if you don't want answered. God's going to say, well, I, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. I don't understand. What you don't understand is God's trying to move you from here to get you to here. And the only question that He's asking is, how much do you trust me? Have I ever let you down? This is a question that just rings through my head. The past couple of weeks I've been looking at this scripture. Have I ever let you down? No, God, but I'm really scared. Have I ever let you down? God, but it doesn't make sense on paper even. Have I ever? Like a parent, it gets louder. <laughs> Have I ever? He starts counting words. <laughs> Have I ever let you down, Matt? No, God. You've never let me down. So trust me. It'll be amazing. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being, us being able to trust you. That we'll be able to... Um, we give our gifts and we give our money. God, we give our, our time and we sacrifice what we want, God, to do what you want. God, I'm, I'm literally in a building of people that sacrifice what they want on a daily and weekly basis. And I have to say thank you because I learn from them. 
You've put them in my life so I can learn. God, as we look into these, this, these future weeks and, and we really dive into what you want from us, God, I, I, I ask and pray that you challenge us and you, you let us know that number one, you can be trusted. You've never let us down. It was all fixed when you sent your son to this earth. You've never let us down. In fact, God, you've given us more than we could ever deserve or need. Thank you, God, for this story in Scripture. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you, God, for these people. God, thank you for your Son. In Him, there is hope. In your name we pray. Amen.